This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 171, recorded on June 12th, 2014. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all your favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live, if I can say it, from the AverageGuy.tv studios. Here in Bellevue, Nebraska, beautiful day today. 75 out there. I was on the deck for dinner. and uh, Just enjoy a very nice day here in Bellevue. Of course, we post a show with world-class show notes each week out at the AverageGuy.tv. If you didn't go back to 170, you might want to. I actually wrote some pretty good show notes last week. All, all me. So take a peek at those. Let me know if you like them, how they're working out. Those kinds of things. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, you can contact the show. Send me an email. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can find me on Twitter, just at Jay Collison. And, man, my Twitter account just exploded this week. Maybe we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. And uh, Or you can now call in your questions if you want to get information into the show. It would be great if you would just call me, 402-478-8450. And, of course, we'll try to play that here when we do a program. Love to hear you. A couple times I've done that. It's great when you get it done. And now... Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. You can find the links to this show and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. Join us in chat. Watch or listen to the show and find all the navigation for everything you need out at theaverageguy.tv. All right. Well, I've got my uh, my partner in crime, a guy I've been podcasting with for a very long time, and uh, we're going to talk a little home server show. Dave's been struggling to get a home server show done just because his schedule's been so nuts, and so... John, I thought I'd bring John on and spend a little bit of time talking about home server stuff here in a minute. But, John, welcome. Glad you could come out and be a part of what we're doing tonight. Howdy, Jim. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. Uh, let me cover a little bit of housekeeping before we get going. I mentioned the home server show. If you haven't ever caught us over there, we, those are getting uh, every couple weeks now, just kind of with the schedule. But homeservershow.com, Dave McCabe and his network over there. We are going to be doing a meetup in the Indianapolis area, September 20th. I mentioned that a couple shows uh, back, but um, uh, for now it's official, September 20th in Indianapolis. Head out to the show notes. I will have a link to the uh, the post at homeservershow.com that will have that information. We are not broadcasting this one out to the public. This is going to be kind of a little bit of a private meetup for the individuals that listen to our shows. We only are offering 55 slots and they're 20 bucks each. So we're going to, the the overwhelming feedback that we got from the last couple ones, a couple guys were like, hey, we'd pay a little bit for this. Um, Dave had always made those available for free. And we offered a lot of things in there. And so uh, Dave, uh, this year we just we took uh, you guys up on that offer. 20 bucks, not a lot, actually about 22 with the fee through Eventbrite. But uh, it'll kind of help, help offset the cost. Dave, always shoulders the good majority of the costs for those meetups, and we always have a great time. If you haven't been to one of the meetups before, in Indianapolis, September 20th, we'll spend some time Friday night. He actually got the room early this year, so we'll spend some time setting up, and we always have kind of a pre-conference party on Friday nights and uh, go out to eat together. Saturday is a full day of tech, and so lots of stuff. Guys bring stuff, and it's always great to be together and, uh, and to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, Rennie says it's a bummer. Sorry, uh, we've tried streaming it in the past. Uh, we get John to come in from time to time. He's in that, uh, he's a very similar time zone, but it's hard for our folks in Australia and even in the UK to partake, partake in that just because of the 
Time zone difference. Thank you very much, Sarah. See how kind of she is to me. She's sweet. B W E. <laughs> She's giving me the stink eye. <laughs> uh, she didn't like doing that. So, uh, and then um, Saturday night we get together, go out for a little fries, and, a little, and those aren't the ones you eat. That's the fries electronics store, and then we head out to the Microsoft store. And uh, then Sunday morning, brand new tradition we started last year, which is to hit Waffle House on Sunday morning. So we'll be doing all those things. September 20th, head out to the show notes. I'll have the link to it out there. Again, I think it's going to go pretty fast. So if you're seriously about going, uh, 20 bucks, no refunds, get signed up, and we'd love to see you out there in Indianapolis. I also want to say thank you for supporting the Tech Scholarship Fund. We, I, I, just, I know I say that every week, but you guys just continue to amaze me at the uh, faithfulness you have of using that link, theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. And then I also want to say big thanks. You know, John and I have been doing this for a long time together, and, and we just don't say it enough. Thanks for listening. It, it's amazing to me. Uh, I was listening. I'm going to talk about another podcast I found this week that I really want you to listen to because it's one of the best ones I've heard yet. But uh, And I listen to a lot of podcasts. But uh, as I was listening to that and I found this new podcast that I really liked, I was like, you know, I still can't believe I've got as many people as I do who listen to the podcast, support what we do, and hang out every single week with us. So I want to say thanks for doing that. Just means a lot to me. It means a lot to the guys, uh, or to uh, it means a lot to me that the guys that hang out and come out live here, Lopta and Jeff and Ken and Rennie, you guys who are faithful every single week. You don't have. There's plenty of other things you could listen to. And you know, after listening to this other podcast, I thought, man, I'm really not that good. Um, you know, I I uh, I just want to say thanks. So I want to gush a little bit on you guys. I appreciate what that yeah you, you download it every single week. You listen to John and I do some banter on the podcast. I always have a good time when I've got John Zadler on the podcast. And so thanks for downloading, listening, supporting the podcast. We do really do appreciate it. All right. Uh, I found this new podcast, and I've never done a, like a podcast recommendation on the show before, but I felt so compelled um, this, this week to do it. And he might even be a listener. So Randy C uh, Cantrell, if you're listening, I found your podcast this week. It's called Leaning Toward Wisdom, and I'll have the link for that over in the in the show notes as well. It's just at Leaning Toward. Don't put an S in it because I put towards and I couldn't find it right away. But LeaningTowardWisdom.com is his site. He he does a podcast about every two weeks. Guys, I think for our demographic, I, I just couldn't stop listening to it. It's not very long, about 20 minutes. It's not on tech. It's kind of Randy just talking. He's got a great voice. One of the best storytellers I've ever heard. I mean, I, I and I've listened to a lot of them. Um, I've listened to a lot of guys try to still try to tell stories, like I'm trying to do right now. Man, Randy just nails it. And so, if you're uh, if you're in our age demographic and uh, and you like uh, Randy, the last 30s. couple of ones, yeah, forties, fifties, thirties, forties, fifties. Let's say that. And uh, and you are. Um, you know, Randy doesn't do a live. It's all just recorded. I think you'll really like this. I think 90% of you are going to like it. Check it out, leaningtowardwisdom.com. Randy, if you're a listener, thanks for doing that, man. That's a dynamite podcast. I just Today I sat and listened, and it was like a healing balm for my soul. And it's it it's just it was incredible. I, the way you spoke, your cadence, the way you did things with the, with the words, the way you write out the podcast in your show notes, uh, super pro. The guy is amazing. Check him out, Randy Cantrell. And so, Randy, thanks for doing that. If you're a listener, I appreciate it. Head over to the show notes here in the end, and uh, we'll um, 
uh, and listen to it. It's dynamite. It's 20 minutes. It'll be the best 20 minutes you ever spent. All right. How long has he been doing that, Jim? Uh, you know, I um, I didn't go back to the very beginning. He's like on show 4,020, but he didn't start at one. I think he started at 4,000. So I don't know the whole backstory. I went back and listened. I found he responded to something I posted on Google+. Plus. And I don't normally do this, but I checked, I clicked on him, and I went and I saw his podcast there in his feed, and I went and listened to it. And I thought, oh, let me give this a try. And so I just started listening to it, and man, I was like, I was mesmerized. I was like, this is real. This is what podcasting's supposed to be. Now everybody comes at it in a different way, and this is why I say I appreciate the folks that listen to this podcast because it's just one of those things. He just does it with magic, and uh, I was immediately transformed to another place as I was listening to what he was talking about, and it was just one of those kinds of things. So um, he's, got some, he's got some good ones. Let me, let me have you go back and listen to those. Um, I moved over to Twitter. I, moved, I, just, I started doing some automated tweets this week, testing some things for work. And so if I spammed you on Twitter, I'm sorry. Uh, you can unfollow me if you want. Uh, but the AverageGuy.tv Twitter account, I'm going to use as an auto account. So if you've been following that and you're getting spam from me, just stop following it. I'm okay with that. I'm doing that for some auto-tweeting, so, um, you know, just, uh, that would be great if you could do that. John Greenaway is going to join us here in a second. He just said he just parked, walking to his office. John, don't hurry. We're, we're fine. We'll, we'll get going here. And, uh, okay, so if unfollow that, if you didn't like it, uh, uh, I would encourage you to unfollow TheAverageGuy.tv at this point. It's just going to be auto-tweets, so people who follow me are going to get a thank you note from TheAverageGuy.tv that links to the site and to the YouTube page. And I'm seeing if that drives any additional traffic to the average guy.tv. So a little experiment with some things that I've been trying with two new services. One, if this, then that. John, you're probably aware of if this, then that, right? Have you heard of that before? My brother plays around with that, and I think he if this, then that, right? Yes, yeah, and he, he has some kind of device. I think he had some kind of a, a wall plug or something, like a home, you know, home device, and put a light in, and then he he went to some site and he said if you know if this, then that, and then you know uh, something the light turned on. So that's how we use that. So. Yeah. Um, well, and it's it's an automation uh, piece. So it connects. You take online web services and you can connect the two together. And it says, hey, if someone tweets this this search criteria, retweet with this. Or if I tweet this, retweet mm -hmm. it on or add it to Facebook. Right. You cook these recipes. There's another one called. Um, there's another one called. Zapier, Z-A-P, or as John would say, Z-A-P-I-E-R. <laughs> and right, did I say that right? It's Z, right? Z, yeah. Z, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I am Canadian. I, I'm Canadian friendly. Just trying hey. to be friendly. <laughs> Hoser. Um, <laughs> anyway, Z-A-P-I-E-R. Another another uh, where you can create these, connect these web services together. And I've been trying some of those. So what happens is. When someone follows me on Twitter, I send them a thank you note from theaverageguy.tv. It says, hey, thanks for joining. Uh, now, come you know, come back to theaverageguy.tv or find our, our stuff on Facebook. And so that's kind of been trying that out to see if that generates any more you know, Twitter traffic. Just one of those things, if, since I talk tech all the time, uh, one of the things that I want to mess with. All right. We're going to talk a little home server. I, I mentioned early in this that um, you know, we haven't done a home server show in about three weeks. And, uh, and while we were waiting for John to come in, I thought we would get to John Zadler to join us a little bit, update us. John, I spent a little time, you know, I bought a Core i7. I told some folks that a couple weeks ago. 
and I moved my Core i3 downstream, put Windows Server 2012 Essentials on it. Uh, it's a Core i3 530, so first gen Core i3, 8 gig of RAM. I put two Velociraptor uh, 10,000 RPM, 150 gig, 160 gig hard drives uh, striped in zero for the OS, which works pretty well to have those two. I get quite a bit of speed out of that OS drive. Not quite SSD speeds, but pretty well. And then I took three drives, three one-terabyte Western Digital drives, put them in an icy dock um, backplane, mm -hmm. uh, so a three-and-two, right, backplane, and then I attached each one of those to the motherboard and put them in storage spaces. So I have a single instance of storage spaces on 2012 R2 Essentials. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of, I haven't done much with it yet. I've got my the new Core i7 backing up to it. I also created a crash plan server out of it, so I've got crash plan on it. And if anybody wants to back up to me, I could give them a code, like my daughter-in-law. I give her a code, and she could start backing her stuff up to me. I think that's primarily how I'm going to use it. But I'm kind of committing to storage spaces for now. I know uh, Drive Vendor, I think, has had an update that's come out recently uh, for the storage pool stuff, but. I'm I'm kind of sticking with with um, storage spaces to see how that goes. Interesting. Uh -oh. Yeah. So that's the new setup. That's the server setup running here in the Collison house. Uh, I'm super happy to have a full-time 2012 server now. I was running it off that that big uh, workstation that was running at like 375 watts, and I just couldn't uh, I couldn't stomach. I don't get the free power like you guys do there, and uh, and so I couldn't stomach it. What uh, what have you been doing around your home server stuff? What's what's I know I saw you tweet or I saw you put a post about my movies. Is that uh, a new version of that has come out? Oh, I lost John for a second. I was wondering why he wasn't responding to me. <laughs> You're back, John. Yeah, I just got an error <laughs> message. Internet Explorer, way to go, Internet Explorer. There, it's right when I passed the question to you. Whoop. Sorry, oh, where you went, John. Uh, my movies uh, has a new. Does it? Did I see that right? Do they have a new uh, new version out five or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's nice is finally, I think uh, it was last week or something. They were kind of they released the uh, the I guess the public version because they had like ten. I think they went up to ten preview versions. And if you were one of the guys that uh, that have a subscription to a you know that you've paid for it, and basically you needed to have twenty five hundred points, which is about a hundred bucks, unless you accumulate your points through uh, you know uh, giving titles and data information that way. Uh, those guys had the privilege of you know beta testing, you know, or you know the privilege or whatever. You know, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing because you know, you, you know it's 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 still buggy, right? So uh, you know if you don't want to play with the bug stuff, then just sit back and say no thanks and wait for the for the release. But uh, those guys, uh, so they they ended up every couple of days or something. There was an update, you know, or pre, you know, pre-release, and they went up to ten. And then finally, they uh, it was good enough that last week they uh, they released it. So I was kind of like, you know, I, I was following it for the past couple of months. And since I don't have the points, I don't have an account with them. I have an account, like you know, to like log in, but I don't have the the points to be able to use the uh, the uh, the beta. So uh, finally, last week they released uh, 5.0, which is a uh, it's a uh, what they're trying to do now is because there's the Windows uh, uh, desktop version, let's say the Windows 7 or Windows 8 desktop version, then the server version. Now they they've incorporated it into like one installer, so you know you can either install it on your server or on your machine, and it'll put in all the SQL database and, and all of that stuff going. So. Um, so I gave it a try with because uh, it supports the new one is for uh, Windows Home Server 2011 or uh, Windows Server 2012 R2 Essentials, 
and uh, I'm kind of running uh, on my DX4000. Uh, I'm running Windows Storage Server, Windows Storage Server 2008 R2. It's like it's like Windows Home Server 2011. But I was running into issues when I tried to install it. The the dashboard wasn't running. But like I said, it's it's not necessarily supported. So, uh, but the version 4.8, the previous version of my movies, the ad, and that one was, was actually working on my uh, my um, uh, DX4000. So I got a bit of a mess. Let me tell you, man, I got a bit of a mess because my my dedicated server that I'm running is Windows Home Server version one, still one version one. I got my movies like the the earlier version, right? The database and all that stuff it's there. But since the new server version 5.0 doesn't work with version one. What I actually did is I installed. How did I do it? I had an instance of of a server 2012 R2 essentials running, but I actually point my database because you know it says where are your files, where are they located, and I'm saying my files are on my version one box. So now what happens is then I can install the the 5.0 uh, update on my desktop. It actually points to the Windows Server R2 Essentials, which points to my Windows Home Server version. Like everybody's doing the turn. They're all in line. You know? was, that, everybody hold on. Let's go. Go over to the version <laughs> one and, and pull the files. Yeah, so it goes there. It grabs my files, and and now you start to, you know, you see I, I get to take, uh, well, see how, it, you know, everything brings in, how it gets the covers, and all the extra options because there's uh uh, there's like they have like a dashboard and they have a uh, well, let me see if I could read it what is it here yeah if you right click on the op on, on the icon you get collect collection collection management and dashboard let me see if I pull this thing John I'll say uh, is it, you know I kind of thought this is I made the changeover right so on my studio PC I went from Windows 7 to Windows 8 I'm gonna go wait full time by the way if you haven't moved on to 8.1 update the new one it keeps getting closer and closer to Windows 7 from an experience standpoint. Uh, just one of those things, if you try the early versions of 8 and you're like, I'm never going to use 8, I'm running 8.1 update now full-time, and I, I'm having trouble like telling the difference anymore. It's so far back. Boots to the desktop. I rarely use that the, the Metro screen or the, the, you know, the, the modern user experience. Um, it's... I, in a multi-monitor situation, on I used to say, oh, it's great on touch, but not so great on the desktop. It's great again on the desktop. And so, as I was uh, as I was thinking about that, so I moved to Windows 8 completely on one, and I'm backing up to the 2012 instance. I was the one thing I haven't reinstalled is Media Browser. That was one that I used to watch my movies with. I actually have the movies I rip them and I burn them to the Drobo and. Windows 8 doesn't come native with Media Center, and uh, you know, as you're talking about movies, the Media Browser was the way I went about it. So, gonna have to think a little bit different. I have a Windows 7 PC next to it that still has Media Center on it, and I'm I'm probably gonna install Media Browser to get that done. But that was kind of my solution to get the movies done. Yeah, I'm running uh, now full time uh, Windows uh, 8.1 update, like the the latest latest Microsoft one there with all the patches. Because I, I like that uh, that the fact that they brought back that uh, start button. Because it's mm -hmm. not the menu, right? It's the start button, start which brings button. you to the. Uh, it's just like hitting the Windows. Right screen click on it, and all the options are there. It's so stupid. You don't need to start menu. Just right click on it. Everything's there. Right. Yeah. So I, I like it. The only thing, like I've said this in the past a few couple months ago. 
for uh, and um, one of the things that was stopping me from jumping full time from Windows 7 to Windows 8.1 or 8 uh, was the uh, I like the arrow glass like the windows with the, you know how it is with the with the shaded the background yep. there and yep. the transparency and uh, there's a there's an add-in you can download and uh, I was surprised because I I was using it and everything was good but then when they came out with Windows 8.1 update it kind of like killed this add-in so then it didn't work then it's like ah. Oh. So it's like, do I go back to Windows 7, all of that, just for Windows 7? But then they actually patched that because they, you know, they we, they did a lot of new code there when they when they came up with the Windows 8.1 update as opposed to you know 8.0, the uh, yeah. update. Yeah. So it was it was like a two gig file or something. It was a big one. So, uh, but now I'm running like like you say, it's very it's very close to Windows 7. You know, it's like Incredibly I got the uh, the uh, the the Windows with the with those uh, transparencies and stuff, but. The bonus thing is, it's like having Windows Seven, but you also have the second layer of these of these tiles if you want to use that stuff. And since I have, uh, since I originally had bought, uh, when I got Windows Eight, what was the story there? There was a code when there was a promotion, and they were actually giving you like the license key or an upgrade for Media Center. So I actually got that Media Center license key, and now I mean you could buy it. You know, you can still go. I think it's twenty, ten, ten or fifty, somewhere between ten and twenty dollars. You can you can go on. Uh, on uh, my computer, like you can do on preferences, and then it says, you know, uh, anytime update or anytime, what's it called here? It says add features. Mm-hmm. How much is it then to add it at this point? I haven't even looked. To be I honest. think it's somewhere between 10 and $20. I think it's no. like 14 or something okay. like that. Yeah, still, so I got Windows 8.1, but you have to have Pro. Right, and I have Enterprise. I th- or, what version? Yeah, Enterprise won't work. Okay. Only Pro. So yeah, if I you have Windows 8... Now. Then you're if you if you have just Windows 8 or 8.1, the standard there you're not going to get Media Center. You actually have to go to Pro, and then from Pro you can get the Media Pack for the Media Center for like 15 yeah. bucks, unless you or else you I, have to pay the whole upgrade. I haven't missed it to be honest with you. I mean, I I've got a Windows 7 box right next to me that I can watch Media Center on, so maybe that's you know why I don't miss it yet. But it has been I, I I've. This experience of waiting was for me waiting for 8.1 to get to where it's at today was well worth it because it's just you know it's been a seamless upgrade. I, I moved uh, it's the same thing up on Sarah's PC although she's been on eight for a long time now and uh, man it was just a seamless move. So I'm liking 8.1 update on the desktop for sure for sure. Well hey John Zadler hold on for one sec let me bring John Greenaway in here. John, you made it. Drove up from San Jose. You're in your office in San Francisco. Welcome. Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, good to have you. Hey, John, yeah, let's take a. Out. Let's. Yeah, no, I'm glad it's. Uh, I'm glad it worked out today. And uh, it's funny because I mean, I know, I know those areas that you're in really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so as you were talking about today, I was like, oh, today would be a nice day to be in San Jose. But was the weather pretty good for you? Yeah, the weather's great out here. Uh, sunny. It's a little always a little cooler in San Francisco, but. Uh, it's it's a pretty good pretty good day. That's what I like about San Francisco. That's it's you know it's always growing up down in the valley. It get pretty warm and uh, and whenever we go visit family up in San Francisco, you could always count on the fog rolling in on a hot summer day and it would just cool the city down. You could open the windows up and it, it'd be uh, it'd be good sleeping. Hey John, we know you, but we don't know you. So for most folks who listen to the show, you've been around the community a long time. Uh, when did you enter in? I think you've I think you mentioned you listened to this show for a while. When did you enter into the community? How long have you been hanging around? Those kinds of things. I think I joined the community in probably late 2009. 
uh, started listening to the Home Server Show uh, with you and, and John. I feel like I'm I'm talking to uh, Home Server Show royalty here. Uh, I'm a little a little embarrassed, but um, I think we've been around since 2009. I got my first uh, V1 home server at that point in time. Um, as I mentioned in my my write up, I'm a bit of a paranoid uh, person when it comes to data and information and backup. So I uh, really got into the home server system then. Um, started listening to you since show one, just because I thought uh, you know you had a lot of interesting concepts and had a different theme than than Dave's show. And just recently uh, relocated my family out to San Francisco, and as part of that move, I got an N54L and I, I switched over to uh, R2 and uh, kind of using that as my main system right now, and uh, everything's going smooth. So you have a Windows Server 2012 R2 instance, essentials. Uh, yeah, essentials. Yeah, wow. essentials R2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how's that working out for you so far? I like it. I, I don't do much with it besides backup and run a couple of uh, kind of you know the the things we all run in the background to keep things going. Um, but I use it as a streamer. I use it for my backup, and I use it for some you know just some odd, odd things. I don't get as crazy as John Z does. <laughs> well, nobody gets as crazy as John Z. <laughs> uh, just to be honest, do, when you say stream, what what kind of stuff? What are you using to stream? So I um I use a TiVo setup for all my uh, my cable boxes. So I have a an app running in a VM machine on the Essentials R2 called Stream Baby, and I use that. You know I've got I've got a five year old son and twins that are going to be three tomorrow. So I kind of download all their shows from TiVo, strip out the commercials, and then they can play them back wherever. You know I can put them on tablets or, or play them back anywhere around the house using the Stream Baby. Uh, I do want to move over to um. What's the other uh, streamer Subsonic? setup? Uh, no. Um, I'll think of it in a second. I'm sorry. Um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about moving over to that, but I, I haven't been able to get that going yet. Okay. You guys yeah. talk about it occasionally. I just can't think of what it is at the moment. No, it'll, it'll come to you in a few minutes yeah. after, uh, after we've been done. Yeah, it's, um, I'm always interested. You know, my kids, I missed, when my kids were young, none of this stuff existed for the most mm -hmm. part. I mean, we just didn't have... In fact, I spent years trying to build my own home server from about 2003 to about 2007, you know, build my own home server for my kids. Well, by the time all that stuff came around, eh, the kids were pretty much getting their media on their own, right? At yeah. that point, had their own computers. So I missed all that reason to have these big storage devices for all the kids and stuff. And yeah. so I'm always interested when you guys talk about, yeah, I'm ripping this down. McCabe does this all the time. I'm ripping this down so my kids can watch it on their tablets and their you know, all those kinds of things. And I never, I just, I, I guess I kind of skipped that step. Yeah, yeah you know, Jim, I heard somebody talking on another podcast about how, you know, you, you know, you go to the, whatever, Walmart or whatever, or uh, Best Buy or Future Shop or whatever, you buy yourself a nice 40, 60-inch uh, TV monitor to have in the living room and whatever. And they say now the kids are tend to be watching uh, their TV shows like they're streaming it, they're getting it on their tablets, or they're watching it on their PCs, like on, like on 12 or 15-inch monitors. And when I have a show that it downloads, you know, let's say I have a tuner in my uh, in my PC, so like I'll download the show. I'll actually wait. Like I won't watch it. I don't want to watch it live on my PC. I have a 19-inch monitor, not that big one, but you know, 19-inch widescreen there. Like I won't even watch it there. I'll say like I'll let it download, and then it copies it over to the server, and then I'll go in the living room and I have that Western Digital thing. So I watch it that way. Uh, and so then I watch on my bigger TV, which is not that big. It's only a 35-inch monitor, you know. But like I don't want to watch it on the small screen. Whereas now kids are like, yeah, they'll watch it on the tablet, they'll watch it on their phone, or they'll watch it on their PC. So, you know, it's funny how even though we're we're buying 60-inch TVs, 
the kids are kind of doing. Well, we things. are. They can't yeah. afford those. Those. Yeah. My. But you my, know, they, they won't come to the living room and say, "Yeah, I'll watch uh, whatever." You know, uh, "How I Met Your Mother." I'll watch it on the big screen. No, they're gonna stay in their room and they're gonna watch it on their on their tablet. Yeah, the both like, these. I've I've got two right. One sits right there, and you know, twenty twenty one year old sits there, and then the seventeen uh, year old sits there, <laughs> and that, they never get up from their desk. They watch. They torrent TV. And just watch it on their uh, watch it on their monitor, and uh, and they, now, you know, Tim's got a 24-inch Dell Ultra Sharp. It's a pretty good monitor, right? I mean, he sits there. He's got a pretty good screen, and uh, I think Josh does too. So, yeah, they don't they don't get away much from that. I and and John Greenaway, I, I assume for your kids, it's just the convenience of holding that tablet while they travel or what have you, right? Yeah, we've been doing a lot of cross-country uh, travel between evaluating, coming out here for this job, and then moving, and then we just did a uh, trip back east for to let my son graduate with his old preschool class. Um, so, yeah, having all of that media available and swapping shows, that, that's usually my job. My wife packs everything, and I swap shows in and out of the three tablets so that the kids have different things to watch on their trips. Uh, uh, and by the way, it's, it's Plex I was thinking of. Okay, how can we forget Plex? Yeah. Um, it's funny. We're going to talk about VHS here in a second. So I'll use this to transition as we yeah. talk about your review. So when my kids were small, I was trying to hook up the VCR in the van so that we could watch <laughs> videos, right? That's, it, I mean, I feel old when I say that, but that's we had this conversion van, and uh, DVDs were just coming on the scene, but VHS was the way to do it. And we literally broke the VCR every time we took it out. I mean, we, I took it out, put it in the van, hooked it up. We had a TV in there. We had this, you know, no flat screen. I mean, this is a big, I mean, this was a, it was only this big of a TV, but it was like that deep, right? I mean, it was a good 24 inches deep, kind of built into this wood hutch in the this big yeah. conversion van that we had. It was just jankety. And, and we would, uh, I mean, it was horrible the way it was set up, but it worked, right? The kids could watch, you know, Johnny Rocket or whatever they were yeah. watching in those days. And uh, and so, but but literally every trip we went on, I'd take a VCR, I'd come back, VCR would be broken, and uh, we'd have to go buy another VCR. And they were cheap, you know, they were fifty bucks or whatever. Yeah. But, so speaking of VCRs, you took advantage of the Tech Scholarship Fund. Uh, we shipped to you uh, this Elgato video capture device, which some of the guys had mentioned. You know, you can use any modern video capture card would do this, but it was a kind of a situation. Who wants? To, Sometimes you don't want to mess with buying a video capture card and setting that up in a PC and you know all that other stuff. You were we were able to purchase this for you, ship it out to you, um, because you had a bunch of video cassettes, right? Talk a little bit about what you had. Yeah. So uh, my. Oh yeah, you guys. Start, yeah, you're you're fine. Can you hear us? Yeah, you, you my, there just yeah my screen is fully white. I don't know, so I don't know. Uh, as long as you can still hear me, I'll keep going. Yeah, I can't. I can't see anything anymore. Oh, did did you lose us completely? Yeah, it's just it's a little white screen of death. But, Do you want Here we go. I was in I was in full screen mode. Maybe I won't go to full screen. Huh. Um, okay, now you're back. Yeah. So um, for anyone who had the three hours required to read my post, um, you know, I kind of related this back to uh, some life events that have gone on with me and my family and losing my dad five years ago. And he was a big, um, you know, capturing moments enthusiast different different times for the last really 20, 25 years. And, you know, when he passed five years ago, I asked my mom to get me all of his stuff and she fired it off to me up to Boston. And next thing I know, it's five years later. I hadn't really even dug into it. I just wanted to make sure I had it. And then, of course, all you ever hear is, 
these tapes eventually wear out. You put them in players and they just rip apart and you, there's really no way to splice them or fix them or at least it's complicated. So I really wanted to do this. Um, I have a decent um, desktop computer. Uh, as I said, I do, I do some video converting and things like that. I didn't have any, uh, any inputs there where I could capture analog and I did want to keep it simple. I didn't want to deal with um, getting a video card. Um, I had done some research a good year ago on this, uh, this, this device and I never took any action with it. And then when you mentioned a couple months back the lending library, I thought this would be a perfect type of device where theoretically, while it might take three or four months, you only need it once. Because <laughs> once I'm done with these tapes, once I make sure I've, I've got my, my three backups somewhere, I'm tossing the tapes. Um, there's no need to keep them. So contacted you and related a little bit of the personal aspect of the story and said, you know, I'm just going to try to do this. Um, and, you know, I think one of the key things I kind of let, let off the post with, next thing I know, I actually break things out last month after we talked, and, um, you know, I've got six different formats just in what he provided, you know, that, that in the devices he used to capture over the last, you know, 20 years. So, you know, that was certainly the complicating factor I mentioned in, in the post. All I've really been able to accomplish so far is anything that's VHS or VHSC um, that plays on a regular VCR. Uh, and to get to complete the rest of the work, I've got to wait till I get back to Pennsylvania, look in my mom's, my dad's garage, my mom's basement, and find the old recorders he has that will play some of the other tapes, or else obviously go to eBay and pick up a couple of uh, camcorders for 50, 60 bucks, hopefully, to uh, play those other formats. You know, John, we ought to just put the word out uh, in the community. Maybe there's some folks who have uh, in our community those players already yeah. that, uh, that they're not using. You're in the San Francisco Bay Area, and, and so uh, maybe there's a way to make that connection if, if you've got some of these. What, what kind of tapes? So you have a VHS, but... What's yeah, the so the VHS format? and VHSC are, are done. Um, I have... I want to I say it's called Hi8, so it's, a, it's an 8-millimeter format. That was, I think, analog. I've got Mini DV, which is, a, I think, a digital format. This really super small tapes, and uh, I'm blanking on there's a there's a third format. Um, again, the total different form factor, um, but certainly I can I can post the notes some notes in my on my review, yeah, in the comments and see what yeah. people have. It'd be great. Do that, and if, if you've got the device, you're not using it, I'm sure some folks have that in storage. I, I know my community, and, man, we are a bunch of digital hoarders, <laughs> right? Yep. And so I'm sure somebody's got something, and maybe you're even in the Bay Area, and you guys can uh, you guys can uh, put it together. It would be kind of yeah, cool to see that happen. We're all about this, this lending library concept. Sometimes, you know, you don't need it. This is the beauty of a device like this. Yeah. You really only need it one time, and then you're done, you know, kind of deal. And... You know, surprisingly enough, John, we had, uh, I was, you mentioned, the, or you uh, missed the beginning of the show, um, Randy Cantrell, who posted, so some, I think I posted in Google+, Randy made a comment uh, on, the, on that post about that. I ended up listening to Randy's podcast and just kind of fell in love with it when I was listening to it. It's funny, we came full circle on, you know, all the connections there to get that done. Oh, yeah. so, um, but but he he too he was like oh man yeah that would be that's an idea of you know I I've got some I got some cassette tapes or some VHS tapes that I need to get you know put 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 into digital yeah. so talk a little bit John talk a little bit about the process so I mean I, it literally is just kind of plug and play for the most part uh, honestly it could not be easier to use this particular device. Um, as a, you know, the pictures show you, I think you just brought up a picture from Amazon. You know, it's literally a dongle 
it has RCA connections and an S-Video connection on one side. It's got USB on the other. Um, you know, so after installing the software and the drivers, uh, it literally was as simple as connecting those red, yellow, and white cables to my VCR. Um, my VCR didn't have an S-Video output, and it's not that much of an improvement anyway. Um, connecting it to the other side, and then um, literally dropping the first tape in. Um, and the software, I, I walk through a step-by-step -step process, but, you know, um, the first step is uh, set how long you think the video is, and in my case, and some of them I wasn't sure, because some of them were full VHS tapes that could have been recorded in a two, four, or six-hour format. So I set, I set it at six hours, and I said... You know, I've just been naming the videos, you know, video one, video two, unless there was something, you see some of my tapes there, um, some, many of the labels, a lot of the smaller ones, a lot of the full-size VHS tapes and some of those compacts in the, in the upper left that have a converter um, didn't have any labels on them at all, so I just, you know, name them generically. My, my objective was to get them into digital. I'll worry, and Jim, you do deal with this all the time. I'll worry about the post-processing and splicing and cutting and all that stuff later. And, and even if I don't get to that, at least I have them, um, and they're not going to fall apart on me. But um, you know, the process is you after you name the tape or name the recording, hit next. Um, you hit play in your VCR. Make sure you see. You make sure you see something moving. Hit hit next. Make sure you hear sound. Hit next, and then you hit record. So after the first one, I didn't want to lose even the first couple seconds of any tape. You never know what that lead in, you know, 10 seconds will be. So I tended to test the VCR once, and after that I, I clicked through the, the next, next, next process three or four times, and literally hit record first on the computer, then hit play on the, on the, on the player, and came back five or six hours later and stopped, stopped it. Um, in general, I've actually been surprised. I, I think one of my screen caps I grabbed for you guys showed uh, a tape from maybe 2000 um, from some, some ducks, I think, that were sitting outside a pond uh, outside Northwestern University when my parents came out for my uh, business school graduation. <laughs> so um, I've been surprised that, for the most part, the quality is good, except for, yeah, there we go, June of 2000, um, except for anytime the camcorder gets janky. So if someone's... You know, if someone was moving and there's a lot of motion, it tends to get jittery in the, in the uh, capture as well, which, as I mentioned in my post, you know, I wasn't thinking this was ever going to be a perfect, um, a perfect recording at least, but I wanted to get as much as I could, um, and that was kind of my, my objective. Yeah, the best that could be done with what you have yeah. for sure, right? I mean, it's, you're, it, there's not going to be any cheaper ways. I mean, certainly there's probably more expensive ways to get to get accurate recordings, but I think for the average guy, yeah. uh, this this is an $80 cable, basically, that just allows you to move all that stuff off and get it digitally. So when you said five hours, are some of those those video, those the old VHS, is that, are those five and six hour tapes? So, yeah, the full-size VHS tapes, um, If you back then, you could set the VCR to record them essentially in a higher, medium, or lower quality mode. The lowest quality being you can get six hours of recordings on the tape. Um, I think for things like when I was, and I found some of these tapes have like old episodes of Friends or Seinfeld on them. Um, for the most part, again, I just let those go. I'll, you know, plead them later. Um, but I think, you know, for the most part, the smaller tapes are usually 30, 60, or, or 90 minute um, videos. But the full size VHS could be as long as six hours, and that's why I just set my default at six. I'll check it at two and a half or three hours. I'll do usually one tape a night. Um, when I get home, and once I see a blue screen, 
then I'll say, all right, the recording's over, hit stop, and then crop it uh, as needed. And what so, are you using to do the editing? Um, when I eventually do the real editing, I'll use, uh, I, I own a software called Video Redo um, TV Suite. Um, that's what I use for editing all my TiVo files, or uh, the TiVo files once they've been converted to MP4. Um, but the actual, the software that comes with the record with uh, the Elgato device allows you to crop, make, make two simple edits, the beginning and the end. So if I found I've recorded 30 minutes of blank space at the end, I'll just drag that slider to the left, see when the video actually ended. If there is a lead-in blank space at the front, I'll drag the slider to the right, and then you hit go, and it'll just convert it to the MP4 format, um, or the H.264 format in, in the MP4 container. So, um, you know, for the most part, like I said, it's, it's super simple. It somehow took me, you know, seven pages to write it to you, but I did want to lay out the, the process as well, that there was yeah, a... I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, little tips and tips and tricks, like, I, I really did find, I think I broke two tapes, or, or was on the verge of breaking two tapes, by scanning through them while they were playing. And and so, I don't know if others have seen this. I mean, I, I remember back in the day, that used to happen in some tapes. It would start eating your tape if you were scanning through it while, this, while, the, while the head was up and it was playing. So that's why, after I realized that had happened a couple times, I said, you know what, I'm going to hit start, record whatever's on there, including if it's Seinfeld or whatever, and then hit end when it's done, and I'll worry about car carving stuff out later. That's yeah, a lot, lot easier on the digital side to take yeah. that to do that after the fact than to try and do it on the tape for sure. Right. That's, that's right. a good point. So literally, so your workflow is really just kind of start one, go to bed, right, or start one when you first get home and wait for that tape to finish and then uh, and then call it good. Or if you have more time, you'll do another one. So it's just a slow process of rolling through them, right? It, it really is. Um, it, it really, I mean, I think we've been going back and forth on this for a couple months, even though it took me a while to get started. I mentioned I didn't even have a working VCR because the VCR I actually had kept with me the last seven years of my life ended up not working once I started. But, yeah, I pretty much do one a night, um, and that's gotten me through all those VHS tapes. Um, and, you know, I probably could do another one when I go to bed because if I set that limit at six hours, worst case, I get a six-gigabyte file that has two gigabytes of blank space on it, but again, easy to edit afterwards. It might be what I do next. Because the longest or the, the, the worst it could be is a six-hour tape. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is I did actually look into having this done as a service. So there are a variety of, you know, small companies or mom-and-pops out there that will let you mail, you a mail them a box of your stuff, and they'll convert it. You know, they don't guarantee that they won't break some of the stuff, if, you know. But... That was I was thinking I was looking at anywhere from five to seven or eight bucks a tape, um, and given the fact that I had sixty or seventy tapes, you know that was certainly cost prohibitive. I could buy a pretty good computer for doing some of this stuff um, with that amount of money. So there, there certainly are, are easier ways to do it if you just want to let someone else, you know, uh, spend the time. But given the situation and the podcast, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to try this out. Yeah, no, that's great. That's exactly why we do the tech scholarship fund. I mean, it's just a it's a great reason to do those kinds of things and and to be able to to get that done. There's a great conversation going on in chat, by the way. We've got quite a bit of video knowledge uh, <laughs> from the guys right now who listen, so uh, that's pretty cool. A good reason to be out here. If you do listen to the recorded version, and a lot of you do, you should come out and join us live some night. It's uh, it's good to have you. Uh, it's good to have you out. Steven's out tonight. I haven't seen him in a while. 
good to have him out uh, as well. So um, anything anything else in there? Again, it's a fairly simple process, but anything else you want to share with that? You know, I, I think most of the, the the components are in the review. Um, like I said, the potential to ruin tapes was certainly there. I, I already commented on that one. Um, you know, I, I guess I'd say, you know, obviously this is, as a lending library item, um, certainly others out there I'd recommend think about doing it if you have those tapes, especially the, the family ones. Um, you know, it's, it's not hard. It just takes time. Um, and making sure you have the right equipment. Those, those are the main things that, that kind of got me along the way. Um, and uh, as I said, for me also, given the family situation, you know, I let off the review by saying, like, what a personal thing it was for me to kind of watch some of these tapes after I've recorded them, just scanning through them, seeing where the quality was good or bad, and seeing my, my sister or my dad. And, and so it, it's also, you know, a, a good little sit-down and enjoy some memories type uh, situation, too, regardless of, you know, what your personal family environment is. So. Yeah, no, I imagine that is, is a moment, you know, again, our demographic, uh, where we're at, we're all, you know, between 35 and 65 probably, and and we're, we're going through family, if not our own, you know, either we, we've got young kids or, like me, I've got older kids, and we've got those memories uh, maybe uh, of our parents. My, uh, my dad passed uh, two years ago. And uh, and so yeah, there's some sentimental value, and yeah, I know we're I know we're tech guys, but there's some sentimental stuff in, in, in buried deep inside of us. And uh, <laughs> fun fun to go back and watch those uh, to watch those things from time to time. I've got you know my dad's stamp collection sits behind me. You can kind of mm -hmm. see it here in the camera. This is my dad's stamp collection that over the next couple of years I'll be selling because nobody wants to do stamps anymore. And there's still a pretty big stamp community that's out there, but. That's I, I remember when I first started going through that, and I found little things from my dad in there. He had a let's see if I still have it here. What did I do with it? He had a little magnifying glass. Of course, with stamps, you know, magnifying glasses are everything. And um, he had this. Oh, here it is. He had this. I mean, so he had this little pocket magnifying glass, right? And it kind of fits in like this. And as a kid. As a young kid, I was fascinated with this thing. I mean, I remember playing this, with this thing as a kid, right? Four, five, six years old, and I'd take yeah. it outside and don't take that thing outside. That's my stamp magnifying glass, you know, whatever. And I'd burn things with it and stuff like that. But this has value to me. Nobody else, but to me, yeah. this is my dad's, right? It's one of those kinds of things. I think the 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 you know the the memories we have on those tapes are super important. And it's you can the thing is you can get them off right. This is not going to rot on there forever. You right. can make copies of those and get those back. Yeah, you know, Jim, I was uh, I have not been following the the chat so much, but I just saw a post by uh, Lopta, um, yeah. and I think it's an important comment. You know, a lot of the types of tapes I've just been talking about are, are truly analog, and therefore going through the VCR, you know, it doesn't matter. But you know, I mentioned at the beginning of my post um, or my review. The first camcorder I ever bought recorded to a hard drive and recorded them as either movie files or MPEG files or wh whatever the container is. Um, and that, you know, some of the tape-based, magnetic-based um, formats are also digital. So they're going to be digital files that you can transfer as a file as opposed to playing that into an analog capture device and making it into a digital format that way. Something will be lost. So I think a good point to make sure people understand the difference between, you know, just because it's on a magnetic tape doesn't mean it's always an analog format. It could be a digital format that's just as easy to get off. And 
you know, for me, I imagine, you know, my own personal backup system with, with all the recordings I did on my JVC hard drive camcorder were easy. Literally plug it into the USB um, of my computer and transfer the files over. So, you know, what, we're really, what I'm really talking about and why, why this was important to me is that I had all this analog stuff. And even though the quality was terrible in some cases, or most cases, um, you know, it's the best I'm going to do to bring it over to digital that way. Do you think the quality was terrible because it was? Oh, it's always been that way, or the age of the tapes? No, I, I'm generally referring to the fact that it was, yeah. you know, 480, and you know, I, I kind of did some reading as part of this. I don't necessarily get the. There is no true resolution of an analog tape. It's 480 lines in television, but um, like I said, for the most part, the video is fine. The audio is great. It's more of you know, just not high. It's not high res. It's not. You well, know, and we're so spoiled now, right? I mean, think about what we deal with from a video perspective. <laughs> I, I, how can you watch anything that's that's, you know, before 1990? I, it's funny when that when TV, even like professional television, you know, NBC goes back to a basketball game from like 1988, oh, yeah. right? It wasn't that long ago, and you're like. Well, first of all, you know, it crops way down, and then and their shorts are really short. Right. The NBA. I, we have no idea. How did they wear shorts that short in the 80s? This was the 1980s, for God's sake. I, I don't, you know, anyways. And the video quality is terrible, you know, and you're, and you're like, wow. And we thought that was awesome. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I, I went undergrad to University of Michigan uh, before I joined the Air Force. And I'll, I'll watch some either, you know, whatever, uh, Big Ten Network or ESPN Classic or whatever, just watching games that were live when I was in college in the early 90s <laughs> and seeing, like, it looks like it's the 50s except it's in color. I know, uh, I know. So, yeah. Those were the national championship years for Nebraska, so there's a lots of videos here float, that float around, you know, about those years, 93, 94, 95. Yeah. And I was watching them the other day and, like, uh, you know, first of all, the uniforms were horrific, but and they were all on steroids, but... That being said, the the video quality was awful. So it's just funny how far we've come and our expectations yeah. have come. And even, I mean, the monitor I have here that I bought for 150 bucks is infinitely better quality than any TV of any of. They were expensive in the 80s yeah. um, that you could get. So very cool. John Zadler, do you want to add anything to that on on your end? Anything you've worked with that with that? Yeah, I've played around with uh, copying some tapes, and, and like you guys had touched on, is the uh, you know back in the day the resolution was 480 lines, so it was kind of low, and you know a lot of folks there you know be, uh, when you bought the tapes, the VHS tapes, you could buy like 30 minutes, an hour, two hour tapes, but the two hour tapes, if you if you set it to like in your case, uh, yes, if you set it to long play. You know, you're maximizing. You know, you're trying to. You, the tape is what's happening. The tape is moving slower, so you're putting more recording on the tape to make it last six hours. Yeah. So you're actually, you, you know, your your trade-off is it's a um, worse resolution. You know, you have more hours, but the the quality is worse because you know because of the fact if the tape is going faster, you know, then there's more images. You know, like uh, on on the tape than if you're going slower. So you know, and now and then when you're going from an analog signal. Which is you know like uh, frequencies as opposed to uh, digital, uh, you know it's uh, you have a, a loss there. I remember I had a VCR that was uh, uh, S video out because usually they were just you know the yellow and the red and white. So now you're talking composite video, and you know but I, I remember recording TV shows in S video, so that was actually a little bit better. I think you had the uh, well the S video had this was the round connector with like five pins or something, so. Uh, 
So that was, you know, the trade-off there. And, and then the other thing that you pointed out is with VHS tapes is when you're playing them or you're recording them, you're recording them in real time. So if it's a four-hour tape, it's four, it's four hours going to take you to, to copy it, you know, so you have to capture it. And then the other thing is to, you have to try and remember that however you save it, uh, you try to save it in the best resolution you can. Because, you know, with the price of hard drives and stuff like that, you know, if you take the resolution and, you you know, you make, you make you save a, a poor quality resolution, later on you can't upgrade that resolution unless you had some special software or whatever. So your best thing to do is as you're capturing it, you know, put everything on on high. You know, try if you if you have a decent PC and whatever, then record everything in the best quality you can, and then later on, if you want to make a mobile you know res, a mobile uh, version for your uh, iPod or whatever, then you know, then do it at that. At least you'll have like your master in your best quality, and then you can change it to whatever. And like you say, also the container of what you're gonna take. You know, some some videos it's easier to transcode them into other ones, and the other format it isn't. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of garbage and stuff, in, like uh, data in there. So the thing is to pick your your best format. That's about it. All right, All right. good stuff. Well, it's good. It's a great discussion. You know, because it's very relevant. It's what we're all we're all dealing with, and I'm sure we all have boxes of VHS stuff. I don't, because we never we never I never had a camcorder. I never never had a VHS recorder, so we never did that. Those were my poor years <laughs> when I was in college. <laughs> when VHS was big, I was in college. I had a big family. I could never buy a camera, and uh, we just we just never did it that way. Um, but but uh, I know lots of folks have boxes of of stuff. And and don't you know like you said old old copies of Seinfeld just buy that on DVD right don't 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 go yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, you're getting you a better resolution now you know if you downloaded from whatever Netflix or even online or whatever you know you have you have that upgraded copy you know the new resolution whereas back in the day if you had you know uh, you, like even the Walt Disney my sister used to buy the you know the Walt Disney you know the princess this and whatever you know. Uh, it's like you have it on VHS and you're going to keep it for 20 years. Forget it. Now it's on Blay and it's you know it's been even remastered or even if it's not remastered, as long as you got a, if you got it on DVD format, then you, you know you're good. The resolution keeps getting better or they, they do a better soundtrack. So it's like you don't need to keep uh, the mermaid or the little princess from uh, from Walt Disney you know from 20 years ago. I, I remember uh, a couple of years ago. You know all my VHS tapes. I just looked at all my movies collection. I just took the whole pile and. Poof, in the recycling, then that was it. <laughs> Sometimes you don't, you know. Yeah. But like you say, with the, uh, you know, if it's personal pictures that you've taken at wedding pictures or, or your kids growing up and stuff like that, well, that's, you know, you have the only copy, basically, you know, so that you want to get Hey, John, you, you just reminded me of one thing um, I did mention in the review, but, you know, for this particular device, you don't have a lot of flexibility about either the container, uh, the format, or the resolution. It, it essentially captures all the video um, that goes through it at 640, uh, sorry, 480 vertical by 640 horizontal um, in an MP4 format, in a, sorry, in an in a H.264 format in an uh, MP4 container. So, okay. you know, if you're, if you're looking for flicks, for, and, and everything I've read on some of the video forums for VHS, those are perfectly sufficient, you know, specs. But it does not give you the flexibility to, to to vary any of those things. Clearly, any post processing you can do, you can switch it to whatever you want. Uh, my understanding was the 480 vertical was about all you would need, given the fact that there were only ever maximum 480 lines of resolution in anything that was on um, the best analog VHS formats. So. Mm -hmm. 
Good stuff. Well, good to know. Uh, and uh, and John is going to hold on to that cable as long as he can until someone else requests it from me. And uh, and so if you are interested in doing that, I told John I would say this. If you're interested, if you've been waiting for it, John's had it for a while. So if you've been waiting for it and you want to borrow it, uh, let me know, Jim at theaverageguy.tv, and we'll make uh, we'll make some arrangements to uh, to get that pulled off. For you, it's only eighty dollars to be honest. And so, if you you know you don't want to wait for it, or, or you think, oh yeah, this is exactly what I need, head out to theaverageguy.tv/amazon, purchase it that way. We've got all the details and the links out at theaverageguy.tv if you want to do it that way. Just trying to find great ways, guys, for you to maximize uh, your your technology and that, and and get that stuff done before, like John said, before that stuff disintegrates, because it will go away faster than you know. And uh, and you definitely want to get John. I'm actually surprised some of that VHS even worked for you. I mean, it, Me it does not have a great shelf life. No, I, you know, I've heard anything anything from eight to twelve years, and obviously that one recording I did the screenshot of, um, I think that was a pretty your very clear screenshot was from 2000, and uh, you know looked looked great. Like I said, um, I, I know for certain I, I I've gotten a recording from um, when I was. I was a pilot, and I was flying my parents around Boston. That was from 1996, I think. Um, so almost 20 years old. Um, i got to do the math. Um, and, and that looked great. Uh, the main thing there was when the plane hit any little bit of turbulence, anytime the VCR moved like that, it would you know, jump around on the screen, um, in addition to the uh, camcorder itself jumping around. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised, too. And, Jim, if you don't mind, I wanted to interject that one thing I shared with you... Uh, when I first contacted you about this, was my little trick with uh, various relatives in my wife's computer and friends' computers is I drop a little in their uh, in their favorites bar up the top. I drop a little link right to it. Just says Amazon, but it's really your link to Amazon. So anyone who uh, helps anyone else out with their technology, they can they can. I mean, it's right here on my computer. It's on my wife's. It's on my in-laws, my mom's. Um, you know, I just told my wife, "Hey, I know you do a lot of shopping on Amazon. Make sure you use this button up here. It's a nice, quick link to it." And that's, well, you know, I appreciate that. Getting I, I, I appreciate that. It's great for the community. Allows us to do what we do this way. And so, tell them in full disclosure. Tell them, "Hey, I'm just adding this link, and it will help out the community that I listen to." <laughs> and uh, and so they know, but don't don't secretly do that. It's like in the old days. You know, I used to do. This would have been like 98. I used to do, uh, so the SETI project, right? So, uh, so search for extra ter- uh, extraterrestrial intelligence. And you could run these screensavers that would you know, run in the background, and you could sign in and get points for them. And I used to go around to like Nebraska Furniture Mart or you know computer stores, and while they weren't looking, I would add, I would add the client in the background, and then add and then sign in with my ID, and I'd let you know because I would run in the background, and then I'd gain all these points right for all this stuff until they took the computer down or disconnected it. Um, I'm trying to think. 97, the internet still wasn't even very good, but I think I think it was still working at that point. And uh, and so that's probably not what you want to do with that. But don't. Although it's probably not a bad idea. Um, no, I'm not sure anybody buys anything from Amazon that uh, can't comes directly from a shelf at Best Buy. So I'm sure that doesn't happen. But John, I appreciate uh, you saying that, and uh, and of course I appreciate you guys for using um, that link as well. A funny, not a funny, a tragic VHS story. Uh, as we as we kind of bring, we'll bring this in for a landing. I'll end the the video, and then we'll stay around for some post show chat. Um, the uh, or not in the video, but in the show. So uh, during my wedding, so when I got married in in uh, in '89, 
I had a friend of mine videotape our wedding for us. And uh, so my wife's parents, for various reasons, could not make our wedding. And so they were going to videotape it for them. And, and so he, he was one of these guys that had all the right equipment. So he set it up and plugged it in, ready to go. And, uh, and uh, starts, uh, starts it off. And uh, so we, the wedding comes and goes. And at the end of the wedding, he comes back around to pick it up, and the lights are all off. And he's like, oh, oh no. So he goes back and starts, rewinds the tape, and it, it goes zip. I mean, that's the rewind. Like, zip. That's done. He's like, oh, no. Didn't record <laughs> nothing. Nothing got recorded. He basically hit play, and the, 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 the tape had a malfunction or the battery died or whatever. And he and this is a guy who does this all the time. It, you know, he was a video guy. You know, he had all the expensive equipment. He felt so bad. So when we talk about, and, and we felt bad too. I, I really felt bad that my 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 in-laws couldn't see that. But that was one of those. Whenever I think of VHS, I always go back to that story. And I think so. I don't. We don't even have the. We don't even have the wedding video, and I'm kind of glad, honestly. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was okay, but it's, it's one of those things that uh, with, with those tapes, if you got those memories, you definitely want to. Um, Rennie said, did he forget to push record? Eh, he might have. You know, he might have <laughs> used the, the battery excuse as, uh, oh, I did. The other day I was doing some interviews for Gallup online, and, and they were great interviews, and I was just, I was on that day. You know, I'm asking great questions, and I'm getting these great responses, and I'm doing this stuff. And so the last person, four of these interviews, about 45 minutes worth, and I get to the end, I'm like, hey, thanks, I appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and sign off now. And I look at the, <laughs> I look at the button, and it says, it's still green that says start broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was in Australia, so I had to, I had to send a uh, email the next morning that said, "Hey, I'm, I know we went through all this trouble to record this stuff, you know, in in different time zones, but I never hit play. Yeah. It was just painful." So, John, anything else? Uh, any other? Uh, while, while we've got you, any other tech that you're messing around with at the moment, John Greenaway? Any other tech that you're messing around with at the moment? No, not really. I think the biggest thing was getting over to Server Essentials. Um, I still my EX one ninety five is still running um, in parallel for some Good. reason. Sweet. <laughs> I'm a fan. Everyone likes to hear that. <laughs> um, you know, other than that, you know, I pro I kind of stick to TiVo. I like that for my television. I've gotten my wife to get used to the you know nuances of TiVo and. Uh, um, you know, pretty much an Android guy. When it, I think actually the first time I ever contacted you, Jim, I was way back in my Palm Pre days. Oh um, yes, we had, some, we had this, some discussion about either the Pre or the Trio 650 or yeah, yeah. The one like Jim that. overpaid, right, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got screwed the whole way around <laughs> that whole deal, man. <laughs> That was golly. I kind of bit into that ecosystem, and then they just flatlined. Yeah. So I mean, besides uh, besides the kids and work and a new job in a new city, um, that that's keeping me busy enough. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you're out in San Francisco Bay Area. Next time I'm out there, I will definitely have to get together with you. San Francisco is my most favorite city in the whole world, and yeah. uh, and so anytime I'm out there, I just uh, love to have a good time. And there's lots of good stuff to do in San Francisco. So. Great. So Thanks for having me. This was a great yeah, experience. You bet. Hang around for a few minutes here, and we'll do some questions. Yeah. John Zadler, anything else uh, quickly that uh, that you wanted to cover from a, a home server perspective? I know we kind of 
we didn't get a lot of time up front because I was like blah blah blah. But anything else that uh, <laughs> you want to cover? Well, one thing I I did play around with. If the guys uh, are interested to find out, uh, um, in the forums there's sometimes I talk about uh, you know when people have Windows Home Server version one and then uh, 2011, you couldn't. Uh, when Microsoft came out with an update for the version one, which was uh, KB 981089. If you installed that update, then you could not run the two home servers at the same time. You know, uh, like you install the two connectors because one would check with the other one. Before that update, uh, it did. So what, what I would suggest to people, I would say, well, uninstall the KB981089 and then uh, then you can install the Windows Home Server 2011 connector and then go back and install the version 1 connector and it would work. But the thing is, it gave you some functionality that updated. It fixed a couple of bugs, but it also prevented you, like I said, from running the two connectors at the same time. This week, what I did is I uh, I decided, you know what? There's a program. If some of the guys, uh, old school guys, you probably know about a program called Orca, O R C A, and that's a Microsoft like utility. And uh, what happens is you could actually, so you install this small utility on your PC. I downloaded, like I said, this week. Uh, and what you do is you now you point to your Windows Home Server version one connector software. You basically like like you uh, import that software, and then you go in there, and there's a and it'll give you like all these lines and stuff, and and you look for a title called a launch condition, and there's going to be like three variables. It says you know launch this program or basically install this program under these conditions, and what you could do is actually delete that line that says so it's like a check, right? It says you say delete that line that's looking for uh, the other connector software. And then you just save it. So it's like a five-minute thing. Anybody could do it. I can write some instructions. And, and now, now you save it back to the server, So that, and now you're good to go. So you do that with the 32-bit connector and the 64-bit connector. And now if you want to run parallel, uh, version one, uh, 2011 and version 1 at the same time, just don't set the timer to, re to, to do the PC backup at the same time. Put them off by an hour, let's say, and then you can run uh, your, your two systems if you, yeah, if you want. That. I wouldn't recommend it. For the average, for the average home server user, you you kind of need to know what you're doing there. But yeah. you could, they could they could do some weird things with each other. There's a reason yeah. Microsoft <laughs> blocks that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just be aware. That's an average. I mean, that's an above average user thing. Yeah, it's just because some guys yeah. there, you know, they're scared to get off their version one. They have a lot right. of data. They're not sure, and then they, you know, usually they have their same server. Like you know, some guys have the EX490, like you have, John, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna take out the drives, I'm gonna put in some uh, 2011, because it's 64-bit uh, that server, you know. So it's, okay, I'll install Windows Home Server 2011 on there, and then bring my data from my other disk. So it's a bit like they've crossed the line, you know. They went over, and it's but in your case, like if you say I have my version one, and I'm gonna try out, I have a, a N54L, and I'm gonna try 2011 on there. Well, you know. Can I slowly, you know, migrate my stuff off? Can I still have my first one running? So at least you have a bit of a elbow room that you can kind of, with this sort of like patch that you can kind of move to the other one uh, with confidence, you know. And then you like 2011, boom, you stick to it. Yeah. And, and in my case, in my case, John, I've got my N54 with 2012 Essentials R2 as my main, my, my PC backup device. I'm using the EX495 as kind of a file share different location in the house, and I'm just using a manual process or a, a program called GoodSync to sync certain folders back over there for additional redundancy. I'm not using any of the, you know, the actual PC backup capabilities anymore or have any any uh, computers connected to it. So, GoodSync, uh, John? Did you, is that what you said, GoodSync? 
Yeah, uh, the software I've been using probably for eight, or eight years or so is called GoodSync. And it kind of works like that old Microsoft... Um, uh, SyncToy? Uh, SyncToy or something like that. And it's certainly not derivative of that, but it's, um, I've just used it. It works. You, you, pick two, you pick a source and a destination. It could be a one-way backup. It could be a sync. Um, or it could be a backup and delete type. You, you, can, you can set it to do any kind of various functions, and it, it's just worked for me. I bought the licenses, and I use it for, I've used it for many, you know, I don't know, seven or eight years. So. Cool, whatever yeah, works. I used, uh, I used another program called Always Sync that Mike Fauché had mentioned. That mm -hmm. you can get a license, or you can try it 30 days for free. That was another way to get your, your, your software to your, your other PC. But like you say, I mean, the, the, the thing is, unfortunately, well, I mean, Windows Home Server version 1, you know, it's dying out, and people are, well, I mean, it is dead. But, the, you know, as far as PC backups, a lot of people are now using, like in your case, the server for just, you know, just to uh, connect their tablets to get their content on their, their, their media stuff. Because uh, the new PCs... Uh, you know, like my brother just bought the $400 PC not too long ago for his wife, and and that's the uh, the new UEFI motherboard. And version one won't back; it'll back up, but you can't do a, a restore of the system if the system drive is system drive is GPT. You can't do the restore. You could restore files, but not the drive itself. And some people they don't notice, and then when the computer hits, you know, dies, then it's like, hey, how come I can't do my restore? So I've seen that that uh, question coming up a few times. This is why it's good to go to either Windows Home Server 2011, but you ha with Windows Home Server 2011, you have to have that, you have to download the patch. There's a there's a hotfix for that, for UF UEFI motherboards, or if you use Server 2012 R2, that, then that in that one it's built in. So new uh, motherboards. Christian was here a little bit earlier. The first time I've ever seen Christian in chat and not on the show. That was kind of, uh, that was kind of crazy to see him hanging out. We're actually, Christian and I are going to record an episode of Cyber Frontiers, uh, so if you want to join us live tomorrow evening, of course, if you're listening to this, uh, the recorded version of it, that's, that's already gone. I won't put this out until Saturday or Sunday, but if you're listening live and you want to join us tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, so an hour earlier than we were tonight, uh, Christian and I and Mark Goldberg, I think Mark Gold, yeah, Gold, I better get that right. I better, because you don't want to call somebody by the wrong last name. Sorry, Bill. You would never do that, Jim. No, I would never, never be a jackass like that. <laughs> God. And uh, anyways, tomorrow night, uh, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, uh, Cyber Frontiers number 4. And we're going to hopefully get a few of those out um, this summer and, uh, and and get that done. You know, uh, you guys were talking about the 495s. Of course, those upgrade, right? To the you can put the upgraded chips in those to run. Um, John, what are those chips that go in there? Yeah, that's what Chris. Um, what's the name there? Jeez, um, uh, uh, the kid there. What's the name? Christian. Christian, yeah, Christian, yeah. <laughs> he's putting the uh, what is it? He's uh, yeah, he's yeah, putting the CP uh, up in there. The 9550 9550C. I think it's a 50C or the 9550S because one is the low uh, temperature. Right. Yeah, they had two kinds. So, so yeah, he's modified his where he's put uh, like, Gary, yeah, the system been, drive. Yeah. They've been buying them that way. They're either buying them or they're modifying, and they have three or four, and they're using those file servers, uh, store and storage targets for their home network, and uh, and so. Christian's like, you can get them for a couple hundred bucks right now. Uh, those chips are almost more expensive. You want to kind of find yeah. them with the chips already in them because the chips are expensive to try and get right now. But he and Gary, they're loading up you know, four drives in them, and, uh, and they'll take up to two or three or four terabytes modified. Is it four? Well, the system drive has to because because of the hardware, the system drive has to be a two terabyte maximum, but then the other three drives could be... Um, 
uh, three terabytes or four terabyte drives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you have to do that Windows hack if you want to put them as part of the pool and stuff like that. Unless they decide, you know, but that's if they're running Windows Home Server version 1. If they're running Essentials 2012 or whatever, then then uh, there's no hack. Or and I think that's what they're running. Terabytes. I think they're running yeah. 2012 on those. And so they've, yeah, yeah. three or four of them I think they've got now, and they're just using them as targets. And uh, and they just love them. They, they said they have just, they call them little toasters. And, uh, yeah. and, and he just, the other day, he was talking about them. So... They're easy to find. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends. They're probably easier to find as guys are getting rid of them uh, and moving on to other boxes. But, and then also, let me say this too: if you don't want to jump into the home server and you don't, you know, you don't want to do the 2012, that's expensive, or you don't want to do MSDN or whatever you're going to do, uh, check out Acronis. Uh, they have come back in the last couple years and are putting out dynamite versions of their their software every single year now with updates. They're updating it all the time. F- uh, f- five free gig of storage on their cloud drives, but they've got a really good backup offering going on. If you just have a single PC, or you know, you can get a copy for fifteen bucks in most cases. Uh, they will back that up, and they'll back it up to network targets, and they've got a pretty good thing going on. A Cronus twenty fourteen True Image, I think, is what it's called. Plus, you get a whole bunch of tools with it. So, Rich. O'Neill, we need to get Rich back on the show. We haven't seen Rich if you're listening. I need to see you, by the way. Uh, we would love to have you uh, come back on and talk about it. That's one of Rich O'Neill's favorite tools. He just loves Acronis. In fact, he, whenever he gets Acronis to do something for him, he emails me or he sends me a note on uh, Skype, and he'll say, Windows Home Server can do this. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, Acronis, give that a try if you haven't tried that in, in a while. All right, let me wrap this up. You two stay around for the post show. We will be back uh, next Thursday. Actually, have a very interesting interview next Thursday with uh, with John Nye, kind of like Bill Nye, only his name is John. Another John. I don't know what's going on with this, but John Nye is coming on, a local Omaha guy. He is an ethical hacker, and I met him at a conference. If you uh, just go out to theaverageguy.tv and search John Nye up in the search bar, you'll see the interview that I did with him. And uh, you can kind of prep yourself for that. I think a very, very interesting interview that we'll do with him in his kind of world and uh, what he does around ethical hacking. So it'll be kind of cool to, I'm going to try to get Christian on for that as well. So it's a, uh, it's a good, uh, should be a good, uh, a good Thursday of podcasting. Don't forget next, if you're listening live Friday is cyber frontiers. If you're not listening live, we'll be back with another edition of cyber frontiers. Hopefully you've uh, subscribed to that. And Christian's got a lot to talk about uh, around the area of security. So we've got that coming up as well. Don't forget. I mentioned the home server show meetup. We're not going to advertise that publicly, only 55 slots. So if you can be in Indianapolis on September 20th, the invites are out, and I will post that in the show notes. So head out to theaverageguy.tv for this. This will be HGG171 for this podcast, and check out the show notes. The link for the uh, the post and all the information you need will be over at homeservershow.com. John Greenaway, thanks again for being on and for doing that review. You head out to theaverageguy.tv and watch his Read his review. It's really good. And you, you you sell yourself short, John. It's a great review. It's not too long. People should read it. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. You bet. Appreciate it. Stay around for the post show. Remember, you only get the post show if you come out for the live show. We're out here every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. Last week I said 9 Central, 8 Eastern. I don't know, I don't know why I, why I would have said that a million times. And I That's only if the earth spins the other way around. Yeah, Superman. That's when Superman flew the other way, and then the Earth's <laughs> time went backwards. Remember that movie? Remember when that happened? 
Um, and uh, we'll be back here with uh, with John Nye uh, next Thursday. So thanks for coming out, everybody.